and welcome to New England Beer Reviews, episode 33, Where's the Freaking Clicker? <laughs> <laughs> My name's TJ Davis, alongside Emily Schick. How are you doing this week, JP, you fucking nerd? Thinking about getting robot legs. It's a risky procedure, but I think it's worth it. Uh, Jesus Christ. If I could go, like, full Darth Maul from the waist down and just replace it with robot parts, I I would definitely be down. I can think of a few things on my body that I would replace with robot parts, but mostly <laughs> the knees. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I would just, like, straight up say fuck it and just, no, just, like, Cut it off of the waist and replace it all. <laughs> I, I don't even actually need a robot dick. I can just, you know, not have a dick. <laughs> You're one of the very, very, very rare men who would say that. Yeah. <laughs> Most men are like, you want to cut off my dick? Never mind, I'm just going to go throw myself off a bridge. <laughs> Whereas I don't care. <laughs> All right. I don't know if that says good things or bad things about you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I guess that I'm just more demisexual, that while I present mostly as mask, I don't really have an attachment to my gender as part of my identity. Yeah. You know? All right, let, let's let's crack this fucking beer. <laughs> Three. That's de- What? That's demigender, not demisexual. Demigender. My bad. All right. Three. Two, one, crap. Beer number one today is Where's the Freaking Clicker? From, um, I forget the name of the place. It's out of Fall Canned River. Heat Brewing? Canned Heat out of Fall River. It's a New England style IPA. It definitely looks New England style. It's got a great head, as I'm pouring it out. It's a little orange juicy. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely on the darker end of things for New England style IPAs, but still like completely opaque. Mm. Smells pretty, tastes nice. Oh, and this is definitely a label that's going on the fridge. It's like almost graffiti style of the Simpsons couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I dig it. See, I'm not that impressed. I mean, it's probably still going to be like a 4.25 for me. But like... Yeah, I mean... It feels very light. Very thin. I mean, me liking it doesn't mean that it's like, holy crap, this is like the best beer I've ever had. But I find it pleasant. There's no, like, bitterness to turn me off. Like, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. The body is... Not everything I wish it were. Um, it could be more aggressively hopped, but like the hops in there are pleasant. They're coming through. Like it's smooth as hell. Like it is incredibly smooth, and it has no back end bitter whatsoever. Yeah. No, like it's... honestly, I would prefer this to something that's got like more bitterness to it. Like I don't need my New England style IPAs to like blow my fucking mind every time like this is just pleasant yeah but again th- this this label is going on the fridge oh yeah and like honestly I'd never seen anything from canned heat before and like 
the names of their shit alone make me go, yeah, I need to find more shit by them, which it turns out is like not that far from me. Um, not not the brewery itself, but like we uh TJ came up a few whatever however many fucking Some weeks time ago. Time. And uh, we went to Vinyl Square Liquors in Chelmsford, which, if you live in this area, is actually one of the better craft beer places I've found. Um, and yeah, like the there, I've never seen anything from this place before, which is interesting, given that like I've now a couple of times stopped at a bottle shop uh, in Weymouth, and like I've never seen this stuff there. Huh, that's weird. Yeah, doesn't that feel weird considering that they're the ones where I found like that Brockton Beer Company one and mm-hmm. like stuff like that? Like, I don't know why they don't have this one, but they don't. Strange. Well, yeah. I'm glad that we tried it. I'm glad that we found it. I would definitely try more stuff from them. Um, yeah, like I don't, I don't dislike this beer. I just want something more from it. And technically, if I do give it a 4.25, it would be higher than its average rating on a tap, which is only 4.07 right now. Yeah. And like, I, I think that my my only, I think it's coming across a little bit malty to me comparatively to, because uh, spoiler alert, we, we did try both of these like right after we got them. Um, and I don't know how long they were sitting on in the, the cooler, but you know, the, this is now several weeks older, which is not a good thing for a New England style IPA. Yeah. It's why we try to burn through these first and I keep fucking buying them. And it's like, we have all these sours and shit that we need to get to. And it's like, but those can get put off and these can't. (laughs) Yep. And that's why our next episode, which will premiere in the new year. So this is our final episode for this year. Uh, Probably. We're going to take, well, we're going to take next week off. So this is our final episode for this year. Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, but the following episode is going to be IPAs uh, again. Because we have two other IPAs that we got to drink. And then we'll drink like some sours or stouts or something. We gotta do, yeah, we, we need we, to do a stout episode. We, we've got to really do a stout badly. episode. Because I don't... Have we done a stout episode? I don't know if we ever have. Yeah, I'm not sure if we have either. So we're going to rectify that early on in the new year. Um, shall we talk about some beer? Mm-hmm. So in our time hanging out, whenever we hung out, uh, we drank some beers. Wow, really? I know. We drank beers? really weird. You and I hanging out and drinking beers. Shit never happens. Never. All right, so one of the beers that we drank was from Widowmaker. It's part of their Blender Ender series, which, you know, it's just sort of... Fruited sours. Fruited sours, yeah. Uh, I think with lactose, specifically, too, but... uh, Fuck, I can't remember if the other one we had had lactose or not. I'm not sure if it did. Uh, Well, we haven't had it yet, technically. We haven't had it, yeah. But, um... This is Blender Ender with Cara Cara Orange, Tangerine, Mango, Vanilla, and Lactose. Uh, we both gave it a 4.5. It's mighty tasty. Uh, my my only real complaint is I wish that more individual fruit flavors came through in it. 
like you get the orange, you get the tangerine, you don't really get much of the mango. Yeah, I mean, I can see your complaint there, but like, I I think that I I'm not a I'm not offended by that, considering that it. Oh, nor am I. It, yeah, finish what it, you were gonna say because I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> oh yeah, it basically tastes like a really good alcoholic creamsicle. Yes. And I appreciate the fuck out of that flavor profile. It's just one of those, like, if you say a thing, it's in a thing. I want to be able to taste the thing in the thing that you're saying is in said thing. While I don't generally disagree with you, there are times where it's like, I, I, it's like either I want to be able to taste each thing individually or I want them to blend seamlessly and just come up with like a really good flavor profile. And I think this more fits on the latter end of that. I would agree with you on that. Like it, it creates a interesting flavor profile that does what it's mostly trying to do. It just makes me question like why even include mango in the first place? You know. It might actually balance out some of the uh, citrus bite. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Because mango's a, v- a fairly sweet fruit, so it makes me wonder if that's there to like reduce the need for like adding more too much vanilla and lactose to kind of like cancel out some of that acidity. All right, that that, that does make I, sense. Yeah. I can make arguments <laughs> here. Yeah. Um. Then we're going to step outside of New England for just a moment and visit Mortalis Brewing. I mean, fuck, I'd love to go actually visit Mortalis Brewing, but we Me too. we had a beer from them from their Gemini series. This one was blueberry, pineapple, and glazed donut. Holy balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, holy balls. Um, word of warning, anytime you do have a Mortalis Fruited Sour, what you're going to want to do is turn the can upside down and softly roll it between your hands so that you can get the sediment all, well, not sediment, but like the fruit puree that's at the bottom of the can mixed in a little bit more, then you want to pour it into a glass. But you you want to get that, you want to get that puree actually mixed in yeah that's a pro tip for anything that's got that kind of fruit puree but yeah that mortalis is known for doing that like every single fruited sour from mortalis that i've had if you forget to do that and you're like trying to pour it out amongst different people people at the end are going to get something that is just beer fruit smoothie which i don't have a problem with but some people do (laughs) yeah Thanks Which for turning I off ab- the volume on your phone, Emily. You did. <laughs> so I forgot one thing. So sue me. Um, so yeah, I, I think one of the things that impressed me, I haven't had that many Mortalis beers yet, but I, I think the thing ended that up having me- the privilege of having like a decent handful of them by uh, where I last live and hanging out with Aku because he was often in that area of the country. So would come and share his beers with me. I liked it. Yeah, they, like, this was highly impressive. I mean, when I say you can taste all three of those things that we stated in the beginning, you could taste all three of those things. Like, I have never had a beer say that it has a donut flavor to it that 
came across as well as this did. Oh, yes. Like, legitimately like, tastes like a glazed donut, like, doughiness and all. I have no fucking clue how. It, Black magic. It was so fucking tasty. Like, the blueberry, the blueberry, of course, is going to be really apparent. Because you can tell just by pouring it out, that's where it gets the majority of its color from, at least. Yeah. Um, but, like, how the blueberry and the pineapple... And the glazed fucking donut. It didn't just taste like sugary sweetness. It tasted like biting into a glazed donut. And it was it was something that I think both of us gave fives to. It's fucking amazing. If you see anything from Mortalis, like drink their stuff. Their stuff is incredible. Yeah. Phenomenal. Stellar. Mind blowing. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, we can just keep going on like yeah. this, and but, you know, you get the point. It was fucking amazing. Seriously, buy their shit. Like, I will say, the thing that sucks about Mortalis out here, at least, in I don't know if this is the same in New York, but, like, most places I've seen Mortalis, because I've seen it pop up in a couple of places now, um, they're charging 30 bucks for a four-pack. Yeah. So it, I wouldn't I wouldn't say like, you know, that's what you should be drinking, you know, every weekend necessarily unless no, you can but it, afford that. It's one of those things that like if you see it out there and you want to treat yourself to something nice, it is this fucking is worth the money. Really nice treating yourself to. It is genuinely worth 30 bucks a four pack. I will say that. Like I've never paid that much for a four pack, I don't think. Yeah, and I wonder I don't if, have regrets. I wonder It's still not the most I've ever paid for a beer, but I wonder if it's like New York distribution taxes, because I feel like Finback stuff is usually, you know, priced higher. Same thing with um, single, uh, cut. single cut. Thank you. You knew exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. Uh, I feel like all their stuff is generally slightly higher priced than you see from, uh, say, like your local yeah. brewery. Because uh, the, their stuff is generally like, 18 to 25 range i want to say yeah like especially some of the single cuts can get really pricey yeah i mean in fairness trillium and like well treehouse to an extent but definitely trillium can too like not quite that high but yeah not quite that high but i'm fairly certain that we've paid like 22 for a four pack of trillium Oh, absolutely. I think that like even the dialed in series is 22. Yeah. I think that they charge 23 or 24 for something like, I don't know, um, the streets. Mm. I do like the street series. I love their beers. I meant like the streets as in the triple IPA that includes oh. the hops from all of the streets. Yes. No, yeah. that one's just fucking wild. Yeah, but that's that. Like, yeah, they they can get away with charging like twenty four bucks for a four pack of that easy. But that's also what makes me question about Mortalis's price too, because especially with like produce prices going up right now, it's got to be that much harder to produce a beer that has that many fresh ingredients. Yeah, and I'm curious to see if we see price increases based on the new. Uh, like ball can minimum orders that like nano breweries can't justify. Oh yeah. I remember you talking to me about that and that's just 
wild. It, it seems like Big Beer is trying to put the small guy out of business because their pockets are getting hit. Because nobody, well, no, most people that's... don't want to drink fucking piss water anymore. That's less of what's going on there and more the fact that I think, because like, are you aware that we have an aluminum shortage? Yes. Okay. That's, I think that's really what's going on there. I think that ball like just can no longer justify, you know, like us, like delivering a single truckload from, you know, fucking, I don't know, the middle, middle of the country or wherever the fuck they're located. Like, and, you know, I, and I think that Ball also provides services of, like, you can, they'll, like, print your labels for you so you get your, you know, your beer cans, like, pre-labeled and shit. And, like, I I think that it's just, with the aluminum shortage, I'm guessing that the price of raw aluminum has gone up and that, you know, given the services that Ball offers and stuff, they just can't afford to, like, do it. But it is... It is screwing things up for nano breweries. It's why, like, when we were at Spyglass, they had like a fucking pallet of cans sitting in their in their tap room mm-hmm. because they're trying to stock up before the minimum goes up to five truckloads. Like a nano brewery has trouble wow. going through a single truckload in like a year a lot of the time. It makes me wonder if we're going to start seeing like consortiums of nano breweries coming together. That's distinctly a possibility. I think that also the possibility is that like other distributors will uh, for cans will pop up mm. and try to like undercut ball to somehow. Fill in the void in that market. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to play out, but like yeah, COVID has really shown a lot of the issues in our supply chains and, you know, again, the the fact that we're having issues getting, you know, raw materials or even like certain theoretically you know finished products uh like fucking microchips um like it's it like we just our our supply chains were not built to handle this level of disruption and i'm sure that you know (laughs) and if you live in the uk you're doubly fucked because brexit fucked everything up already so you know if you need your your shipment of sex asses they're they're still stuck on the france side of the border like talk about you know chopping off your nose to spite your face like all the fucking idiots in england who voted for brexit because it, it they're really just xenophobic and it's like really like you as you as a british person are going to be xenophobic you are part of you know a history of people who created an empire at one point that sun ne- that the sun never set on mm-hmm. because you went and stole all these lands from people and said these are mine and then you're gonna piss and moan driving uh, like oh i forget what it was but it was like being british is you know watching your japanese tv driving your german car uh popping out to grab a curry uh, uh, while you to bring home and watch like American movies, at, like mm-hmm. what yep. what what the hell do the Brits actually have? Black pudding. I'm not going to say they can keep it because I think black pudding's fucking delicious. But like putting malted vinegar on French fries. Yeah, they honestly they do not have a lot. They don't have a lot of exports. Uh, they don't have a shitload of natural resources because they are technically islands. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's just I don't know. Are they too are they too large to be a archipelago? Uh yes, I believe so. Okay. Um but like there's so many people in the British public who were like, Well, I just wanted to to do it to teach them a lesson. And it's like uh, I just wanted all the foreigners out of my country, but I didn't want to think about any of the other ramifications of what my actions would end up having when it came to concerning me, which I should because I'm purely a selfish person. But I didn't think that voting for Brexit would affect me and I wouldn't be able to go to like other countries in Europe because uh, we're no longer part of the EU and I would end yeah. up having to pay all these taxes and fees to get shit because I'm no longer part of the EU. But like, yeah, no, and they had like that's... so many chances to just be like, no, no, I think we're going to draw it back. We want to stay in. Like well, they, they already had so many, nah, they, they already they... had so many concessions from the European Union. Yeah. And no, it, they... like they got all the benefits without any of the effort. And then they still said, nope, that's not enough for me. I feel like I'm paying too much into this union that doesn't help or affect me. Yeah, um, that was part of what some of the people did. But like there were literally people who were like, oh, well, I, I voted I voted yes on Brexit for a laugh or to like make a point. And like I didn't think they'd actually go through with it. Like there are genuinely people who say that shit. Which is just um, wild because th- this is this is a legally binding vote. Yeah, like, that's the thing is that first vote was a nail. It was the nail in the coffin. Like they were never able to walk it back because the Tories didn't want to. This is what you get for having a Tory government. Well, like a like that in honestly, conservatives. The, the the Labor Party fucking blows too. I mean, it's the same. It's the same bullshit we have here, except they actually have more parties and more and most of them suck. Um. <laughs> Like they have more viable parties, and most of them suck. Like as far as I, I know, I was going to say lib- we have a number lib- of parties. It's just you know there are only two viable parties. <laughs> yeah, the Lib Dems aren't aren't great either. Like there's really not a lot of. I don't know if there are even any good political parties in the UK. Maybe the Green Party, but I don't know, man. Like are like the politics. Yeah, if they're all any, over the if world, they're anything are, like are more our, or less this fucked. If they're anything like our Green Party, no. No, um, I think they suck less. Oh. I think they definitely suck less. And I think that they actually have uh, MPs. So, you know, that's still better than our Green Party does. Honestly. like I really wish that the parties... Fuck, I, I was trying not to, like, get into politics in this episode. But I really wish that... You got into that, British politics. It's fine. But it's, draw, Most... it's drawing me back into American politics. Of like, I really wish that we had a viable multi-party system. I would probably be a democratic socialist. Yeah, more or less. Like, I think. I mean, at this point, I just identify as progressive. Yeah, I guess progressive is probably the easiest way to put it. But I don't know. I. At the beginning, it's go. It would seem like a fuck all to the economy, but our economy is, you know, a really stupid metric that we use. Well, at least using using the metric of how Wall Street is doing. 
yeah. is a very stupid metric to assume prosperity in this country. Yeah, because it reflects so little of the population. Very, very little of the population is involved in the stock market. Like, even as somebody who technically is, it's like, nah, man, like, it's not like it's doing anything for me now. Like, who cares? All right, back to beer? Back to beer. Yeah. We, we we moved off of British politics under U.S. politics, so let's go back to beer because yes. that's safer. Yes. Um. So next up, we had EO9 Ecto9 from 603 Brewery. It is it was an Ecto Cooler sour. I forget what the actual ingredients were in it, and I don't know that I care that much because it was kind of marginal. Yeah. As a person who loved Ecto Cooler as a kid and like genuinely likes a lot of the ideas that 603 plays with. I think that 603's execution is generally somewhat lacking. Yes. Like it's they not are a this... highly mediocre brewery. Like yeah. I like, I like what they attempt. I don't like their execution. Yeah. They've had a couple of things that I've, I've been more impressed with, but like, I've never had anything from them that makes me that like even comes to mind because it was that good. If it, if that makes sense, like there's just nothing that sticks out in my mind. Like again, not bad, not terrible, not undrinkable, but like, you know, if you want like a good sour, that ain't it. Like, you know, this was like a nostalgia value kind of thing. Um, all right. Well, you know, fuck this. My beer is almost empty. Emily has most of her beer, so... I do not have most of my beer. I have less than half of my beer. I'm working on it, okay? So... It's getting maltier as it warms up. So, <laughs> I'm going to take this opportunity and do TJ's Weird Shit Corner. So then it's, like, mostly just me talking, and it gives Emily a chance to drink. Sip. Fart noises. Sip. Sip. On this installment of TJ's Richard Corner, give me a second while I reach out of frame. <laughs> oh. Yay. I don't know. I felt like I needed to fill the space. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I ended up trying Truly's Holiday Party Pack. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I'm going to go in order from... Worst to first, I think, though. And as the worst, now all of these cans have like something stupid written on them, but like it's not like they vary between like all of them, all of them, all of them. Uh, just each type has its own thing that was written on it. So the first one. Its tagline is Jingle and Mingle. It's a pomegranate ginger fizz. I'm probably biased, making this one my least favorite because I don't care for ginger. I don't know why. Like, I really enjoy spice, but it's not some. It's not a flavor that does it for me. Yeah, ginger is a thing that needs a light touch in my mind. And almost at any time, especially if you're doing, like, artificial ginger, which I'm sure this shit is artificial essence of ginger, 
Um, it's just quirky. Yeah, it, it's it, it doesn't taste right. Like I can still appreciate a good ginger beer, like like a good ginger beer. I'm not gonna like order it for myself because I don't desire it ever. But like I can still appreciate that. This this pomegranate ginger fizz was just bad. Pork. Yes. Uh, next up as the uh, second, second worst. worst. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've got your tagline ends. Serve cold, yet warm. It's the Pork. holiday sangria style. Oh God, I tried that one. I thought that this one was going to be the worst, because especially the one that we had tried together. Yeah, um, that was pretty fucking bad. It, I'm impressed that there was one that was worse. It tasted better when it was more like ice cold. But it was one of those, like, you just gotta dig through it while it's still fucking ice cold, though. Pork. <laughs> yup. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that over and over. Next up, we've got the second least bad. <laughs> uh, its tagline is "Spice, spice, baby." Uh, okay, that's at least funny. It's a spiked apple spice. Um, mm. I mean, yeah, it's it, you get some of those like apple pie notes. It's just. Is it like horribly fake apple? Yes. And is it like like green apple Jolly Rancher bad? It's not that bad. Okay. But it's still like it's more um it's more like a Washington apple. Like drink. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. that kind of artificial apple. Yeah. What the hell is that made with? Applejack or something? I think so. Yeah, I had one of those before. It's but it tastes like great. it tastes like a red apple, you know. Uh, but like an artificial red apple, like the wax apple that Denny eats in the room. Uh, I mean, can, I I will say that it sounds. Like, it would be slightly preferable to something that's got bad green apple flavor, but, like, not, that's not a real, that's not a high bar, so. It's not a high bar. No. Oh, I remember being 17 and drinking too much green apple pucker. Good times. <laughs> As I gag. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, our final and our least bad because i don't want to call it the best because it's still not good if you needed me to reiterate these are not good <laughs> but our least bad as has a tagline of light it up it's their cran orange sparkler and it again it's artificial cranberry artificial orange with carbonation and it's like, yeah, okay, it's fine. It's still not fucking good, but it's more, it's the most drinkable of them. Yeah. Yeah, like, artificial flavors are one of those things that's like, they can be 
better or worse, and they can also be, um, like, just used in better contexts as well. Like, you know, it's like, I think I would be really weirded out if I got, like, I don't know, like a Richie's Italian ice that tasted like, you know, real cherry or something. Yes. But, like, you know, I, I kind of... But, kinda... like, with a Richie's Italian ice, that's what you're looking for, though. Like, like, I want that, like, and, and again, maybe this is why I'm a poor judge of this weird shit corner, but I am the most likely to actually subject myself to these things as opposed to you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm definitely that person who is like, oh, that sounds awful. I gotta try it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we need to find you that monstrosity of the mountain dew that came out what the hell was it again is it like gingerbread or some shit oh god yeah i think i do remember you telling me about a gingerbread mountain dew and that's yeah i don't know if it's gingerbread but it was something that's like that should not be a soda flavor and it definitely shouldn't be a mountain dew flavor this is a crime against humanity (laughs) yeah that's the kind of shit you like to try so oh yeah i totally do i ain't I think it'd be kind of funny to look back at like Mountain Dew flavors over the years and figure out how many of them I've actually tried because that would often be a thing when I still drink more soda of like, yeah. oh, hey, Mountain Dew's got a new flavor. Oh, hey, that sounds kind of awful. I got to try that. There was one, there, there was one that I had recently. One. I think that, well, I think the black one you're thinking of was like their Midnight, which I think was grape. Mm. Um, but no, there was like a pink one recently that I can't remember what the fuck it was, but it was like, wow, that sounds so awful. Oh yeah. That was like that melon one. And you were like, oh yeah. Oh, major melon. Yeah. It's like, you were like, oh, maybe this won't. bad. You were like, maybe the, maybe it'll be better as a mixer. And you were like, nope. Like I, I would say that cheap whiskey might improve the flavor of it slightly. It's the same way that well, like, because I'm not that a... is the history of Mountain Dew. Like you, you know yeah. that, right? That like mm-hmm. uh, the original reason that Mountain Dew was created was to make a lazy whiskey sour at home. So yeah. all you had to do was do Mountain Dew and whiskey. That that's what it was supposed to be originally. <laughs> so yeah, but... it should still carry on the trait of being a whiskey mixer. So did it precede uh, bottled sour mix, or what's the deal there? I'm going to guess it probably preceded bottled sour mix, because they didn't understand how to bottle sour mix and still keep it fresh, whereas this you keep fresh without refrigeration. Oh, I mean, it's easy, just a shitload of chemicals. Hello? Well, yeah, that's why I'm saying. I think it, that's why Mountain Dew came first, because Dow wasn't it or... Yeah, Dow wasn't in the uh, food market yet. Uh, because who else? The- who else do you trust to sell you food other than Dow Chemical? I was gonna say, um, it, didn't Dow buy Union Carbide like after Bhopal, and then be like, "Yeah, we we aren't the same people, so we're not paying for any of these people that this previous company." Uh, fucked up for life or killed. I'm fairly certain you're right with that bit of trivia. 
Yeah, there, there's yeah. Your, your holiday joy is if you've never heard of it, go and look up the Bhopal disaster. If it is the worst chemical disaster in history, our wonderful guest from last time and our future wonderful guest from sometime in the hopefully near future um, from I'm talking about, well, there's your problem. Uh, they did an episode on the Bhopal disaster and um, I would argue that they're one of the more entertaining ways to learn about it so go listen to it yeah if you like the history of engineering disasters and some entertaining people presenting those histories of engineering disasters they in like a comedic way yeah Yeah. like leftist comedic way I'm figuring if you listen to us you're probably leftist. leftist Yeah, I, I don't know um, if you're what people consider Democrats in this country these days. No, no, no. We're, we're not going back into this. No, Stop no, Stop it, not. TJ. Um, <laughs> I, I also highly recommend the Atmospheric Railway uh, episode. That is a fun one for getting some some of the like jokes that will carry through a bit. Um, and... Yeah, definitely sign up for their Patreon because they do some really interesting shit. Um, and hey, if you're did... on Patreon and you're signing up for Patreon, sign up for our Patreon. We'll make yeah, bonus please. episodes. Pretty please? Pretty please. Um, uh, we, th- yeah, they. so their Patreon also has, like their most recent one is uh, an F1 episode, nice. which is pretty solid. Yeah. All right, enough plugging them. Let's keep on with our show. Um, let's open up beer number two. Yeah? Yeah. Alright. Yeah. Uh, beer number two today comes to us from Mass Landing. It's Day Glow Vibes. Uh, double Dry Hop, Double India Pale Ale. In three, two, one, grab. Ah, Mass Landing, you never let me down. Except occasionally, well, honestly, they're, um, their all the way up series is a little bit hit or miss for me. Like none of them are terrible, but not all of them are awesome. Um. Hey, when we tried this, did I identify that there is yeast in the bottom of the can or not? I can't remember, dude. Nor can I. That's why I asked. Hmm. <laughs> Once again, I think this would have benefited from us actually doing it a couple weeks ago. Oh, that's unfortunate. It's not it's not bad, but like you can tell that both of these have probably sat there for a little bit before we got to them and like now we're just pushing it even harder. Yeah. I remember when we had this initially right after we got it, it was better. So we can't really hold that too much against them. Oh, were you looking for a date on Klecka? Yeah, there's no date on that one. Is there a date on the mass landing? Canned on Oh, July twenty seventh. That would be that would explain why. Yeah, that would definitely explain. We bought this why. like three or four weeks ago, tops. I'm impressed that it tasted as good as it did when we first got it then. We we probably just hit the tipping point on these two. Which is unfortunate because like, they're because they're not badly oxidized, but they are notably more oxidized than they were like a, like three or four weeks ago. Womp womp. But yeah, I mean, honestly, like 
having had this slightly fresher and now realizing that it was even less fresh than I hoped it was, like it it held up um from the end of July to the end of November pretty well. Um yeah, that is so, impressive. That is pretty impressive actually. So, yeah, like uh, I I guess I need to be better about that because if I'm not buying stuff directly from a brewery, <coughs> I genuinely have no idea how old it is. Yeah. Probably one of those things good to like try and train yourself on to um check dates. Yeah. But no, again, not a bad beer. Mass Landing, I think I think that they do sours All right. pretty well. There is I think they do. Yeast in the bottom of the can if you haven't gotten there already. I think I just skipped doing the very bottom of the can most of the time because of that. Um, all right, let's uh, dig through the rest of the beer stuff we have to talk about so then we Indeed can get on to pop do. culture. Because I really want to get to a super short spoiler-free review. I don't know which one I'm going to do. That one's going to be up to you. But let's finish the beer. Um... Did you drink your lens as well, or did I just drink mine? Uh, you you drank yours. Okay. Uh, so lens is the definitive triple IPA. I would yep. recommend drinking it soon. I think that I actually rated it too high anyway, because yeah. it's it's definitely oxidized. And oh, okay. It doesn't help that it's a triple IPA already. Well, yeah, that's the thing is like triple IPAs are very tricky and I think Definitive usually does pretty well with them, but that doesn't mean they're going to every single time. Mm. Um, I I wonder though about the the oxidation making a big impact on that one. And yeah, that, that does worry me, which means I'll probably just like wait till I see you again, dump it off on you and then take a sip. Yeah, um, that's probably your best choice. So things that were not oxidized when i had them they were all ipas because i think the next three are all me um i don't i just i i know i've had this before i don't think we've talked about it on here we may have talked about totally tubular but i don't think that we did tubular as a as a, a beer on here before whereas um, i still feel like we have talked about tubular when we were talking about totally tubular but probably but not as extensively not as extensively um, it was probably more as like a... This is related to this beer. Yeah. Um, so Tubular is kind of Orono... Seems to be Orono's kind of signature beer, which was a good fucking choice on their point on their part. Um, so Orono is a microbrewery from Orono, Maine. The, uh, the Tubular is a triple dry hopped IPA. Uh, well, New England style IPA, obviously. With Citra, El Dorado, Topaz, and Galaxy. Now, that is a winning fucking combination of hops. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a reason that, like, Orono... I mean, honestly, I like—I really like Totally Tubular because it does kind of amp up the hop flavors. But, like, Tubular is solid as fuck. I really like that more places... And you know how, like, when you're around here, like, you'll you'll find, like, like cloud candy for instance has become a fairly standard like you know a bar wants a random new england style ipa to have something on alongside their like 
Bud and Yancid yes. or whatever. Or, and, uh, or or a year with Dr. Nandu. <laughs> yeah, like, like, and those are solid choices from there. Um, main wins, because seriously, Tubular is a solid fucking beer. No matter every single time I've had it, I'm always like, man, this is just like, I mean, it's not like mind-blowingly good, but I, you know, I've given it a 4.5. Its average rating on Untapped is a 3.98. It's just a beer that I always enjoy drinking. It's, you know, not bitter. It's, you know, nice and hazy, smooth. The hop flavors come through well. They're all good hop flavors because those are some of my favorite hops. Like, Tubular is what I wish we had as like the standard basic new england style ipa here but we don't because we're not in maine so seriously tubular is great it's fucking can art is great if you grew up in the 80s and 90s oh yeah no the the can art is very uh saved by the bell vibes yeah absolutely um and just as a note i had that at bob's clam hut in kittery because i popped into kittery for reasons. Well, actually, I popped to Elliot for reasons. Um, and decided to get some seafood. So, Bob's Clam Hut. Um, decent seafood. Not wildly overpriced. I think it's fairly reasonable. I mean, especially given the fact that it's in Kittery. Um, yeah. And, like, they also have... What honestly makes it so much more worth it is they have, like the creepiest wooden standee of like a deranged clam that i've ever like it, it looks like oh yeah like a that hot, thing it looks is like a fucking hilarious like that clam looks like a high serial killer is the best way i would describe its facial expression but like you know um, you're a clam in uh, a, a like humanoid clam in the midst of a pcp rampage it looks mel- more mellow than that to me um it, it does look like it has sadistic joy in its eyes it does and it, which makes it even better that like you know the the place where you you know your head goes through the little hole thing is in the middle of its mouth which is why i made which like is, several which is filled with like human teeth yeah and way but... too many of them mm-hmm. i forget where the is... uh where the eyes on antenna or just like at the top of the clam. Just at the top of the clam. Okay. Oh, they were on the top of the clam though, so it just made it look even more weird. Yeah, no, that thing's great. Go to uh, Bob's Clam Shack in Kittery, Maine, and take a picture with this monstrosity. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. I made my mother take like several different pictures, making different horrified faces, <laughs> and we just picked the one that looked the best. Um, no, it's rad as hell. I I I I enjoyed that a lot. Um, and again, their seafood is really not bad and not horribly priced, especially given that it's in Kittery. So yeah, fuck it. Why not? Um, you had two more beers at that rate. Yes, I did. Um, I went to the new Trillium Canton location for the Ooh. first time. I had some site visits down, well, south of the pike. So, you know, yeah. sure. sure. Um, and I actually got three things on tap, but I can't talk about one of them because we may end up doing as an episode beer, and I we haven't decided on that because um, I enjoyed it and bought cans of it. Um, the two that I got on tap 
that I, uh, you know, am, didn't get get in cans. Um, so really, Green Street is a collaboration with Other Half Brewing from Brooklyn, which is <clears throat> fucking phenomenal. I I love Other Half. I've been there. They're great. Um, no, New really, York has some like really good fucking breweries, and not just like city, but like state. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Like, I, I, I know that other half has a. I can't remember if it's Green Street or if it's Really Green. I think it might be Really Green or something like that. Is the name of the beer that they do, and then Street is the Trillium, the their their contribution to the name. Um, so Really Green Street was is a collaboration with. Huh. It doesn't actually. It so it says so. It doesn't tell me what the hops are. It's a but it's a collaboration with other half, obviously. Um, yeah, I gave that a four point five. It's it is fucking great. Nice. Um, like I'm given the two breweries that are involved, I'm not at all shocked by that. Yeah. <laughs> like honestly, if you ever go to Brooklyn and you're a beer drinker, go to other half. It's also a super rad neighborhood to just hang out in. Um, like there's great restaurants and stuff in that area too. Uh, I want to say it's Gowanus. Um, I think it's in Gowanus. Whatever. I, I, it's it's fucking awesome. Definitely go there. Um, super cool. The other trillium that I had that I can talk about is actually an excellent example of a triple IPA. Could not resist this one. Mm -hmm. So it is LAX to JFK colon in the clouds. Um, it's a triple oat cream IPA. Presents a golden yellow color with heavy haze. Waves of fruit salad-like aromas crash over the palate, offering intense notes of mango, nectar, orange creamsicle, mixed berry compote, and juicy nectarine. Thanks to a generous addition of oats and a gentle application of milk sugar, the mouthfeel is plush with a markedly well-hidden alcohol presence and a lightly sweet finish. Dangerous as fuck does not taste like a 10.2 at all in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, that sounds fucking delicious. Seriously, I, 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 Ode IPAs are a thing that I've it really enjoyed seeing more of around because it has that same kind of like smoothing on the palate effect that like lactose often does. And then you combine it with lactose. But, like, not enough lactose to make it sweet, just enough to, like, make it, like, the most creamy, pillowy mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that is how you do a fucking triple IPA. Seriously. Like, I gave that a 4.75. That is high as fuck for a, th for a triple IPA for me. Yeah. No, I, triple IPA from you, that is a hell of a rating. Like, my God, man. I thought like not not the not the lens, but Definitive has made the other triple IPA that like I think I've probably rated the highest, but I think this surpassed it. All right, and moving on to a couple more wee drinks before we do a couple more things and wrap it up because we're already at like over fifty minutes. So wow, yeah. my god, yeah, man. 
Like, that's what it's like for you and I to just shoot the shit, is uh, time fucking flies. Tempest fuck it, you know what they say. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's exactly what they say. So, next up, we drank Evil by Odd by Nature Brewing. Uh, it's a New England IPA, has Strata, Azaka, Waimea, and Simcoe hops. Honestly, it was... It was a better can than it was a beer. Yeah, and it wasn't it bad. it didn't really have, like, good can art. It just had, like, amusing badging. Yeah. Um, so, Odd by Nature is a fairly new brewery from um, Cape Netic, Maine. And... Like, I was just pumped to see something by them anywhere because the last I had checked, they didn't, like, distribute at all. They did I don't even think they canned the last time I looked them up. Um, I think they started, like, after COVID started. Yeah. So they're pretty new. Um, this is the first time, I've, like I said, I've ever seen anything from them. Um, I... I think the thing that makes me I so I really want to go there. And the reason being is that what really attracted my attention. Well, so the first thing that made me go they exist was Definitive did a collaboration with them. Oh, OK. But it was a sour collaboration because one of the things that Odd by Nature tends to do is bonkers fucking sour is the same way that Definitive does. I've just never had any of them because they mm. were only brewery like at release at the time. Yeah. So I don't know if they're going to start canning stuff. I don't know if we're going to start seeing it more. But like, yeah, I want to check them out more. And I don't want to like definitely do not judge them based on that. I I wasn't judging them based on that. I was mostly just saying I didn't terribly care for that. Yeah. I mean, again, it's it's another it's a New England style IPA that is fine, but forgettable. Yeah. I was nothing to write home about. Like, again, I, I found the most interesting part of the beer to be the can. And not because yeah. the can has, like, good art. Like, the primary focus of art of it on it is a devil, devil head emoji. emoji. Yeah. But then it has, like, oh, I don't know where the fuck, because I've got that kicking around somewhere at the moment. Oh. Yeah, it's right go. there. Then it has, like, other stuff on it, like... uh Keep it chill, homie. Buy cold, trade cold, keep cold. And uh, flavor advisory, delicious content. Like, that's, I'm guessing, not exclusive to this beer, just part of their branding. And I like that part of their branding. Yeah. But again, it's like, it makes me wonder if, like, their bonkers sours are uh, made in batches too small to can, or if they're too like they're too pulpy to can or what like i don't i don't know but like again i've th this is there were two things at the at um i got this at oh christ i can't remember the fucking name of it um whatever the good sh the good place in fucking weymouth um yeah yeah anyway um not a huge beer selection, but a solid beer selection. And they get some really interesting shit. 
um they're the ones that i that's where i go to like i mostly go there when i'm in that area to check out to see if they have any second wave okay because there it's like the only place that's like the closest place that second wave delivers to all right so yeah all right so as our final beer of beer talking beer beer uh we drank honeymaker from widowmaker it's an eight yeah. percent imperial new england style ipa um Featuring Citra, Azaka, Comet, and Idaho Seven Hops, and locally sourced honey. Um, Goddamn, I yeah. I I enjoyed this one more than you because I gave this one a four point seven five. You gave this and one I gave a it a four point five. But yeah, we still raised the average because the average for some reason is just four point one four, and that seems wild to me because this was phenomenal. Yeah. I'm not like, sure I'm not sure what they could have done for me to make it a five, but like the product that I drank was far better than like other people seem to be saying it. It reminded me of what I love about Idaho seven when it's used well. Yeah. Well you have to remember that other people have kind of a different rating system in their head than we do, but yeah. also you know, different people have different tastes. And, like, I would put this kind of in the same category as, like, a milkshake IPA. But, like, instead of using lactose, you use honey. Like, they're, yeah. they're not... They're kind of performing similar functions there in the sense that, like, you're kind of sweetening enough to, like, round out the profile a little bit. You're kind of smoothing things out a little bit. Um, I just think that honey has a bit more of an interesting flavor than lactose. Like lactose is a better add with like, I don't know if you're trying to add other shit to it, like sour or fruit notes or whatever. Like uh, honey is like, if you're just taking a, an, a straight IPA, like honey gives it a little bit more interest, especially if you're picking like a local honey and not some like crap you buy in the fucking grocery store. And it should also help to cut bitterness and accent the sweet flavors inside of those hops yeah which is why milkshake ipas are a thing mm. that's sort of the same function that lactose is performing at least in milkshake ipas but yeah i dug the fuck out of this um yeah widowmaker is I... another one of those like breweries that i highly recommend keeping your eyes on i've had I have had some fucking missteps from them in the past. Me too. But I think that was kind of early days for yeah. them too. Because they're not super old, but I feel like I've been having them for two to three years. It's longer than that. They've been around for longer than that, I'm pretty sure. Because you're thinking, you're, 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 you're treating like covid is like six months like they've been around longer than that. Jesus Christ. Point. I really hate that like covid feels like it's been you know, two to three months, and then it also feels like it's been a decade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. But yeah, Honeymaker, check it out. Really tasty, really good, especially if you can find it right now, because I think it was super fresh when we had it. Yeah. Uh, but also, just um, check out... Curtis Liquors. It's I picked it up at Curtis Liquors in Weymouth, so if you were on the South Shore... Um, there are other Curtis Liquors locations that probably have it as well. Um, 
and you can usually see some of the more recent stuff like they get shit in from foam and then it goes real quick mm. uh i was hoping to get my hands on more foam because i've only ever had one and yeah no it was totally gone because they had posted it like the weekend before it was there and i was there on like, a tuesday so yeah no just means one of these days i gotta do like a real vermont trip yeah um i don't know if you really want to like drive all the way to where my uncle lives maybe he'll let us like crash there for a few days because it's Sweet. that you know northwest point of vermont where like all the stuff is oh is he near burlington somewhere yeah oh, okay I, I don't know if he's Wait. like in or near but like that's his area yeah. So hey, maybe probably better off talking to my aunt instead of my uncle, because she, I'm sure, would be fine with it. Him, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, keep it on, keep it on. Um, we gonna do a spoiler-free review of some movie I haven't seen. We, we are done with our beer talk. Uh, but you get the choice though, Emily, of which spoiler-free review you get to hear and give to the rest of people. You can either choose. Spider-Man, No Way Home, or The Matrix, Resurrections. Do I go with the one that I am extremely excited and hopeful about, or the one that I'm like, I really want this to not suck? Um, I can give that spoiler-free. It's just going to be, like, very quick. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um... Actually, yeah, go with No Way Home because I don't care if you spoil this. I will watch The Matrix one at some point, but like, man, I am, yeah. All right, so if I'm going to go No Way Home and go spoiler free, I would start it off the same way I'd start off The Matrix one of just, wow. Like, really? I mean, that makes me, like, not surprised about No Way Home and more excited about Matrix, so go on. I also think that both films are going to be incredibly divisive amongst fan bases. Ooh, I also like the set of that. Yeah. I fall on the side of digging the fuck out of them. Honestly, I... <sighs> I don't want to build it up too hard. And I need, I'm going to love it, aren't I? I need to see it more than just once. But No Way Home... If it's not the best Spider-Man movie, it's definitely in the top three. And I don't... Hell yeah. I don't really know where it falls in, for me at least, with Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 and Into the Spider-Verse. But the oh, three man, of I those... Oh man, I love Into the Spider-Verse. Are, probably my top three and i'm not sure it's the top but it might be it's it's a payoff for a lot of things over two decades of fandom do you recommend that people myself included bother watching the andrew garfield ones before seeing this because I have still not seen either of the Andrew Garfield ones. I don't think that you necessarily have to. I would recommend The Amazing Spider-Man 2 
okay. over the first one. Um, and I'm not saying that, that, that No Way Home is a perfect film by any means. It Actually, it does have like a lot of issues the more you sit down and think about the movie. Uh, there are very few perfect films, though, man. Come on. Yeah. And especially I'm, MCU movies, there there are no perfect MCU movies. I am hard-pressed to ever think of, like, no. There is nothing about that film that ever needs to be changed because that film is perfect. Yeah. There's always fucking something. Like... I I would guess that the number of movies that like you could boil down to nothing needs to be changed is like very very small. But that's also not the way that I tend to consume things. I do I I will sometimes look at that aspect of things, but it doesn't generally impact my enjoyment. It's like I'm well aware that like I of I my... don't think that you could go into this movie as like I've never heard of this character Spider-Man before. Oh, hell and no. I'm it, sure. You know, like there are a lot of like winks and nods. And again, like I've been watching Spider-Man like hell, let's just say movies. Let, let's not include like cartoons. Yeah. I've been watching Spider-Man movies since like opening opening weekend of the first Raimi flick. Because yeah. I was already a big Sam Raimi fan at that point, and I dig superheroes. So, yeah, of course, like, I'm going to go check out Sam Raimi, one of my favorite directors at the time, directing a Spider-Man flick. Yeah. Mm. So, 2001? Yeah, I think it was 01. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that this movie stands on its own legs. I don't think you need Oh no. I don't think you need to watch everything. But if you have watched every other Spider-Man movie. Um Oh, uh, no, that's too spoilery. Like yeah. You, you... Yeah, I I know why I I think I know why you're going that way because it's been strongly hinted at for like months yeah. now. I mean, like, I would recommend basically every Spider-Man is in this fucking movie. I'm not going to confirm or deny that. No, I wouldn't like expect you to. Free. But, but like, I'm saying, yeah, as a person who has not seen it, I have heard this even just from so many times even just already. from ad campaigns. You do know yes. that like other characters from the other Sony Spider-Man movies are in this movie. Yes. So, like, while it's best to have watched all of them, I would think that the ones that you only... The ones I would recommend the most watching, if you don't want to watch all seven others... Tobey Maguire 1 and 2 and Into the Spider-Verse? No, I would love to say Into the Spider-Verse, but you don't really need Into, into the Spider-Verse for this. Watch it anyway, because that's, that's like the best one of the ones that like don't include Tom Holland. I would recommend at least The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Okay. I don't well, think you know that, that you... means we're going to be watching 1 and 2, right? Yeah. Like I said, I don't think that you need one. It, it, if you're watching this, this is, this is a culmination of 20 years 
of celluloid Spider-Mans. <laughs> Hell yeah. Like that now that's a good way to put it. Absolutely. Like I'm I'm pumped. Like and I'm also slightly sad to realize that you don't need uh into the Spider-Verse because again, like I think, I think that there Spider-Man are, 2 is fucking great. I love I Into the Spider-Verse. I think there are a couple of like winks and nods throughout the movie that help if you have seen Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. But it is not necessary. Like again, I don't think that Spider-Man Sam Raimi Spider-Man 3 or um The Amazing Spider-Man 1 are necessary. Okay. Um I think that Far From Home is necessary. Oh, I'm sure. I don't think that Homecoming is. Um, yeah, but Homecoming's actually a better movie, so. Yeah. Fuck you, man. I think Homecoming's a better movie. No, I mean, like, there are arguments to be I'm made. Not, I'm not saying that, like, I have... I I don't I don't have major major problems with Far From Home. I just think that overall, I think I have few. I I agree with you. I think I have fewer better. problems with Homecoming than I have. And with like, Far From Home. man, Michael Keaton is so fucking good in that. Like, I I like. Don't get me wrong. I like Jake Gyllenhaal is is great too. But like, fucking Michael Keaton as that villain oh, is yeah. like absolute perfection and that's what really makes that movie for me plus like the you know there's like the excitement of kind of discovering you know spider-man with peter parker you also have uh, you know like tony thrown in there which like now feels like kind of a gift like also speaking of movies that don't stand up um... on their own uh Endgame and uh, Infinity War do not stand up like you you uh, you you could not those could not be like the first MCU movies you ever watched because you would just not care. Oh yeah, and that's how like um, fucking no, DC no way home is, like kinda. fuck themselves as well. Of like we're gonna make our third movie Justice League, <laughs> and it's like no no. Um, you need to establish characters. <laughs> Whatever. Well, yeah. But, I no, mean, you um, did establish the characters. It's just like... I was going to say something about No Way Home. I... Tom Holland oh, is still perfect. I need, to, I need to see it a second time. This might be the best MCU Spider-Man movie. Okay, that like I know I, I know I those are like I know those are tall words. Uh, no, I yeah, mean I I can see is, I can see that there is upward mobility there. Like, there there is a like there is a magic in this movie, and I'm not just talking about Doc Strange. It, you know what? I think that's one of the things I really like about the MCU and why I'm such a big nerd for it is the fact that, like, yes, every I've really enjoyed the vast majority of the MCU stuff. Like, I mean, we're not because it's not just movies anymore. It's also TV shows. I've enjoyed the vast majority of it. Like, uh, at, well, pretty much all of it. I can't yeah. say literally all of it because I- Incredible Hulk is 
pretty fucking bad. Um, but it's also before like Iron Man happened and like this whole thing became a thing. So, well, you know, Incredible whatever. Hulk is after Iron Man. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, oh then it yeah it does it's deserve to feel before, a little bit more it, bad. Well, they didn't know what their tone was at that point. Mm. Um, plus, Incredible Hulk was uh, Universal Distro. No, oh, yeah, yeah, still though, it's um didn't it, have it, everything underneath like the same umbrella that it is now. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean that's one of the things that I I think that keeps me so cemented to the MCU is not only that I enjoy basically everything I've ever watched, even if it's like this isn't as good as other things, but I still like it. Um. But the thing is, is that they're never, it, they've never quite hit perfection in my mind. There's not a single MCU movie or show that is, is like absolutely perfect, no notes, because I think once you get to that point, you kind of don't have a whole lot more to do. I need piss. I'm going to go piss. And yeah, I, I think that the MC the MCU gives me hope in that way, in which is kind of a weird thing. Um because it keeps me wanting more. It keeps me hoping for, you know, perfection, but like, you know, as close as some of them come for me, it never quite reaches it. And I think that that you know, gives me something to look forward to. It keeps me excited. Um, and I think that, I mean, I don't think they're intentionally avoiding perfection because of that, but I still think that for me, it's a, po a net positive. I mean, it's, it kind of gives me hope in the same weird way that like the Star Trek universe more or less does. Like, you know, even when they, you know, they, they definitely show you um, some, hard times and you know like like mostly to keep it realistic and you know feeling grounded um the all of the star trek series have some level of like you know despair or grittiness or what have you and i think that they still maintain an overall hopeful outlook for the future like because even despite the problems of you know the 23rd through what are we in the 29th 30th something whatever century at this point in disco i i think that all of them maintain that kind of hopeful feeling um where i don't know it just it kind of makes it kind of makes the shit show that life is currently feel a little bit less bleak. I, I, uh, TJ stepped yes. away for a moment, uh, I'm, folks, because he probably cut I'm, out that that comment. Oh no, I'm probably going to keep in my more crass version of saying that I had to go void the contents of my bladder immediately. <laughs> um, I was I I basically was talking about how imperfections in the MCU made me feel hopeful in almost in like a kindly weirdly similar way to the like uh imperfections As... present in the star trek universe oh i was gonna say humanizing it more that uh 
It's yeah. almost as if that even though we are imperfect beings, we still all have a possibility to for for personal greatness. Yeah. I mean, I think that yeah, I think the MCU is good in that way, like because yeah, it gives you the hope that like maybe someday you'll get the perfect MCU movie, but you know you never you you never should because it will ruin it for you. But like you also yeah, have that like uh maintain it helps to allow you to maintain some level of hope something better to strive for something you know better coming coming in your future mm-hmm. and like that's again kind of what i've always liked about star trek i mean it's a very different kind of hope but like you know i mean even disco being is like gritty realism you know, action, action, action versus like the more sci-fi. Oh man, uh, that most elements recent, of the old ones. That most recent episode. I don't know if we ever actually talked about it. It felt the most. It felt like the best combination of what was Trek and what is Trek. It felt yeah. like a classic Star Trek episode while still having like the flash of new Trek. And I yeah. really love the hell out of that. Yeah, like, me too. I've I've yeah. really been enjoying this season so far. No, like, I, I like it's kind of they've they finally it's season four. They finally found their stride. <laughs> I, I think it, for me, it's less that. I mean, that is. I mean, that's how like all the nineties, <laughs> except for uh, we're sorry, enterprise. You never found your stride because Rick Berman was your actual showrunner and not just Ugh. like a producer. Um, so, and yeah, it turns out Rick Berman doesn't like do stories. Good. But yeah. Um, Rick so, Berman, no story. Good. All you need woman, boob, corset story. <laughs> no, Mr. Berman. That's just sexism. <laughs> Yeah, that's why uh, Voyager and DS9 managed to avoid that is because, like, the primary drivers were uh, um, Ira Bear on DS9 and uh, I think Jerry Taylor on uh, Voyager. Oh, I thought it was uh, Brandon Braga. Braga. Uh, Br- Braga, Jerry Taylor, and um, Michael Piller were all really, like, instrumental in, like, setting the tone of Voyager. Nice. Um, so it wasn't like, yeah, I, I, I think that like, yeah, the, the, the problem was giving Rick Berman like the show running reins as opposed to just like an EP, like, no, no, man, stay, stay more in the background. Like do, do, do the like outsidey schmoozy stuff, not like the crap that has to do with like stories and character development, because you're not good at that. It's a, uh, I guess it's the George Lucas prog- problem, but like maybe sl- maybe even more sexist, because George Lucas is definitely kind of sexist. But like I think that yeah. you could make a lot of arguments for Rick Berman being worse. Uh, no, there's a reason why on this show we say fuck Rick Berman because fuck Rick Berman. Yeah, fuck Rick Berman. Seriously, uh, he did f- Terry Farrell dirty. If like. Yeah, I mean, if you need any other fucking evidence, look at the way that Dax dies. Well, Jadzia Dax dies, and tell me that Rick Berman doesn't hate women. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So we're like close to one twenty. 
All right. Yeah. Well, we should we should stop now. Okay. I was gonna say, do we do we want to like crack another beer? <laughs> Talk about Home Alone. Uh, that that I can um read to everybody as my gift at the end. Uh, a visit from Saint Nicholas. It's, I mean, I it's guess that poem that everybody thinks is called "Twas the Night Before Christmas." You know what? Fuck it, folks. If you really don't want to keep listening, then don't. We're we're gonna keep going, and TJ is gonna have to talk by himself for a while because now I want to pee. Oh he no! Also wants to go. If we're gonna pause, we're gonna smoke. All right. And I might leave like some of this in there because it might be funny. Yeah, it might um, be funny. I mean, fuck it. It's a it, it it's, it's our Christmas episode. Yeah, if you our, don't want to keep listening, then fucking don't. It's our but special like, holiday episode. <laughs> we're gonna talk about some more bullshit after we uh um And hopefully Emily has a cold beer that she can grab and I'm gonna grab I fucking something hope so. that hopefully I can. But we'll find we'll, we'll find be back. Out. We'll be back momentarily. Thanks to the magic of editing. <laughs> Oh, that was so weak. You might want to cut that. No, I'm going to leave it in. Aw, I don't need people to hear how pathetic my burps are most of the time. I want to, like, keep the mystery. All right. Uh, We're we're back from our break. I hope you enjoyed those commercials. Um, If there weren't commercials in there, where the fuck are our advertisers? Weird. Um, hey, I'm still laughing at the fact that Zencaster sent us an email like, "Hey, do you want to you you want to advert you want us to advertise on your show?" And it's like, not really. Not not really. <laughs> we would much rather have Patreons, but we fully realize that this one is just for fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yes, since Emily tried to grab a tertiary beer and failed. Well, it, you, it's you something didn't that fail. has been sitting the, for a while. The beer had failed you, and well, you didn't the, feel like sitting I there failed the beer. drinking. Well, yes, you failed the beer, but you didn't feel like sitting there drinking a twelve ounce can of uh, blackberry vinegar. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna crack another beer. This beer is coming to us from Foundation Brewing Company out of Maine. Yes, yeah, Portland, Maine. Maine. Uh, this one is jam-packed raspberry jelly roll. It's an imperial sour ale with raspberry, vanilla, and milk sugar. I'm kind of excited for this. And I don't know. I don't even need to count down. No, you not. don't need to count so, down because I'm not. Crack. Crack. See, I said it. I yes. can go. <laughs> if I go. Does that sound like a can? No, it's just a fart noise. Whatever, oh, I made a fun fart noise. I thought you were going for a queef. <laughs> Either way, both work. I mean, I, that 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 bowl I smoked in the first hour, whatever, was uh, uh, my first time having Bigfoot glue, so I can highly recommend that. Awesome. Bigfoot glue or clue? Yes, glue. Glue. I was like, guessing glue because it's like gorilla glue, gorilla but, glue, but with a big foot. Yeah, more sativa leaning. Nice. I would probably dig the fuck out of that. Yeah, it's really enjoyable. I don't know, man. I really love the flavor of that. Like, oh man, what the hell was it? Might have been Apple Jacks, the one that I had in the green container last time I was there. Mm. 
Uh, you had some like strawberry something. Oh, that something. was what it was. Strawberry daiquiri. Yes, that was delicious. This is really tasty. I, I really enjoy how the tart, the raspberry is coming through, but it's still mellowed enough by the milk sugar. Yeah. It's really good. I, I just, I think I'm super pumped that like my dad, you know, bought kept a can of each of that and the peachy keen for himself and was like had actual opinions on like which sour he liked better and it was like shit my dad's finally getting into sours all it took for me was to you know make a beer podcast apparently because i guess i have more gravitas when i'm speaking into a microphone than at his face we should totally try and get your dad to like guest on our show it's not going to like boost anything for anything i just think that it would be really amusing to once again have some beers and shoot the shit with bruce oh yeah that would be fun as hell and also one of the things i miss the most about um when he used to go to beer fest when there used to be beer fest with us was like Like... just shooting the shit with your dad having him get drunk and tell me all of his ugly secrets that I don't remember because I too was drunk. (laughs) And I wasn't present for any of these disclosures. And I'm usually the one who remembers the end of beer fests. I am not. Yeah. I I have an official job as beer dumpster. Um, Unfortunately, yeah. it's not just at, for the small group, it's for the entire fest. So since it's obscene to just throw away beer, oh man, there are so many beers that I've just thrown away at beer fest. <laughs> Me too. Because especially like there comes a point where you're just like, man, if I get too drunk, I won't even taste this shit anymore. Mm-hmm. And I... Oh, and especially that... EBF, like your taste yeah. buds get blown out by like booth 10. Yeah, I mean, like, at some point, you've got to just suck it up. Well, especially because the ABVs tend to be higher. It's like, you've got to suck it up at some point and just start tossing shit. Like, I don't do it usually in the beginning. Um, I might, but I've gotten better about that over the years. Like, I I definitely have to be good about maintaining control. Um, And also, eating beforehand is very, very, very fucking important to me. So I'm sure that, you know, the six of you who consistently listen to us or however many there actually are, I'm just joking. Um, I, I think I sounded okay through that whole last episode, but I had to listen to most of it again to remember what the hell we said. And there, like, there was like the last five minutes or so where it's like, I had no recollection of like anything we said. Yeah. Nothing. And it's like, and it's purely because we recorded earlier than usual and I didn't have time to eat like a full meal beforehand. That's the difference. So folks. uh, If you're going to host a beer podcast and going to have at least two, if not three beers, especially if you're planning on three and you host a beer podcast, you know, do like a uh, carb load before you uh, record. No, you do. You're the one who taught me this. It's protein. (laughs) Yeah, it's protein and fat. You're the one who taught me that carbs are <laughs> dumb. Uh, carbs are actually the myth of it. 
you should yeah. be eating protein and fat because it helps to slow down digestion, which will keep you from processing the alcohol as quickly otherwise. Yeah. It makes a huge, huge difference for me. So that's why if you're and out at a bar, uh, get yourself like, you know, or like pizza or chicken wings or some shit. I was going to say something like something that are, incorporates both fat and protein. Are 50 cent wings like still a thing or probably not because supply chain issues. Yay. Thanks, Obama. I mean, <laughs> Biden. <laughs> Yes. Uh, I also love how, like, current president is getting blamed for all things that are a direct result of previous president, but that's how the Republican Party works. Yeah. Off politics, not politics. Stop it. Stop it. Um, right. so, so we ended up watching the first two Home Alone movies. The only two Home Alone movies that exist in my mind. Uh, yeah. I don't even know if the second one's worth watching. Uh, I, I did do a review of it, it and I did put it as see it. But it is if you were a 90s kid. Because if, if, if nothing never, else, it has the nostalgia value. If you've never seen the first, I would also recommend watching the second at least once. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I will say that rewatching both of them gave us more... Uh, confidence in our Kevin McAllister is the collector theory. Yes. Like, the second one really does show a change in his attitude to something closer to psychopathy. Has greater sadism Yeah, in his punishments. And it's not just like setting up traps that maybe, maybe they'll run into. It's literally sitting on a roof and chucking bricks at them. Like, yeah. the first Home Alone movie, there is this general whimsy, almost like Looney Tunes kind of effect on its violence. Yeah. And while, while after the events of the first movie, the Wet Bandits should be fucking dead. If yeah. they're not dead, then at least, like, permanently debilitated because of injuries sustained from the actions of Kevin McAllister. Yeah. The second movie, they should be fucking dead. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and, but that's the, th so if you ignore the good son connection that we've brought up before, which we still um, need to like give a rewatch to, to see if to that see if is it actually like fits. the connective yeah. tissue. Yeah. I don't think it necessarily needs connective tissue. I mean, I think that... Oh, I don't think it needs like, a connective tissue, but I just love the idea of, you know, after being abandoned at home at Christmas when your family's flying off to France in the first one, and then having to protect your home from these shit bags, and all you want is your mom, and then you finally get your mom. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. It's, it's a sweet movie. Like, the first Home Alone movie, I think, is a true Christmas classic if you yeah. can get your mind beyond that the Wet Bandits are fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second movie has so much more malice. Yeah. that that's that, And that's the thing that is, I guess what I'm saying is, even if you remove the good son as connective tissue, I think that 
having rewatched it now, the progression of the violence between Home Alone 1 and 2 is really what makes it much more believable. Like, you're seeing much more of that, you know... Almost, Young sadist. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it. yeah, it's glee in hurting people. Like, yeah. like you discovered that you, you did it out of what felt like necessity the first time. When you should have just gone to, like, your neighbor you or, like, it. even the cops. Like, the first one yeah. came out in 91. I want to say it was probably filmed in 88, which is why they went with, like, eight-year-old, because he looks like a fucking, well, he looks what, like what I remember an eight-year-old looking like. Yeah. You know? Um, but, like, I, you see much more... Um, glee in his yeah. actions in yeah. the second one yeah he's he's he, he's he's gotten a taste for violence and like enjoys what he's doing so and he if knows you, he's good at it so if you ignore the connective tissue that alone is enough to give me progression in the sense that you're like because in both movies you can see that kevin has a potential propensity towards psychopathy like but you that's, can see him losing like. his empathy for anyone. That's what I like about the connective tissue. Again, I need to Agreed. I need to see the good son again because it's been. I can at least put it this way: I know for a fact that I have not watched this movie in this that movie in this millennium. Agreed. Like I, I don't think that agreed. I've watched either of the other uh, either of the Home Alone movies in this millennium either. But, but I've watched them many more times. Is the thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um but like using the good son from my memory, he ends up being thrown to the foster system from irresponsible parents and sent to go live with an aunt and uncle and cousins. And my fan my, my like headcanon is that they had to change his name because his name was attached to like all this shit from before and these are the aunt and uncle who don't associate with that part of the family because that part of the family all shitbags yeah like i mean the parents are less shitbags in the first movie but oh my like God, the definitely uncle, more shitbags in the second yeah, yeah that uncle that uncle is just oof. yeah um but even if you lose the connective tissue i think that you have a decent argument for the fact that like Oh, but uh, in The Good Son, he, he explores his psychopathy more. His sociopathy more. Yes. Um, psychopathy and sociopathy are slightly different, but like more or less the same sort of concept. I you mean, just don't he, have empathy for other people. He's definitely had some sort of psychotic break because of, probably forced by his abandonment issues of the first two movies. Yeah. Um, but yes, he is a sociopath and has a propensity to create murderous machinations. I Not don't just murder. Uh, I don't kind think of there's machines of violence. I don't think that there's much of that in the Good Son. Like, yeah, I, I, I think that it. like he does like set up dominoes kind of thing. But um, yeah, I need. I, I, I would think that I remember the it. end of the Good Son being him falling to what is his apparent death. Yeah. And I like to think that, you know, he wanted them to think that
that he was falling to his apparent death so that he then, after faking his death, could sneak off and continue to pursue what interests him most. See, I would argue more that he accidentally survived and with, uh, albeit with fairly severe brain trauma. Yeah, with fairly severe uh, trauma that he didn't get looked at, but also was survivable. Um, But that would be sufficient to, I mean, that alone could take somebody who has the potential the potential to be sociopathic or psychopathic to to being completely. But I think that if you now looking at the first two home alone movies, I think that you can argue that there is enough of a noticeable progression there as it is. Oh yeah. I agree with you. I don't think that you need the good son. I just like to include the good son into this idea. By home alone too. You really see that like his only, like he has empathy but like he has lost some of that empathy for at least the people close to him. And I'm guessing that like if they continue to hurt and disappoint him the way that they have, because like, you know, he goes through the whole fucking bit of like, fuck my family again by the time, by I, the we, next goddamn Christmas. We, like by the next goddamn get, Christmas, like, we do like get his family happy is assholes. We, we do get like the super happy ending where Buzz is like, hey man, sorry for being a dick. But it's yeah, also and- kind of like, too little, too late, motherfucker. I'm going to think about killing you every single day until I get out of this house if he still continues to live there. So yeah, I was if, we're say, ignoring, and then couple- if we're ignoring the good son as connective tissue. And then in a couple of years, uh, when, you know, uh, Kevin is a like freshman in high school and Buzz is like a senior or whatever, like Buzz and, goes off to a rave and Kevin's uh, no, like Buzz, this is Buzz my just chance. steals Kevin's like first love girlfriend, girl he loses a virginity to, whatever. Like there's a lot of ways that you that, that relationship can turn bad. Like oh, you know man. Buzz no, having us one talking, we should talk we should stop talking about this because us talking about this makes me want to make like a legit home alone cross collector movie. Like yeah. setting it with Kevin McAllister in high school. Uh, I have a feeling that Macaulay Culkin would probably be down for that. Can I just say? Uh, he's <laughs> way too old to play Kevin McAllister in high school. Although that could be fun. Yeah, fuck it. I mean, he's Kevin McAllister. He just make him Kevin McAllister with like a severe heroin problem or something like that's enough to make somebody look like they're in their 30s when they're in their teens. Um, right? Extreme insomnia. Yeah, that could do it. Also, like I, I, I can see like this whole story playing out in my mind's eye. But Kali Culkin's like 40 goddamn years old at this point, isn't he? He's like 40 or 41. 41. Fuck me. I am old. I am old as shit. I'm going to turn into dust and blow away any moment. On the bright side, well, you'll never be as old as Macaulay Culkin. This is true. I will never be as old as Macaulay Culkin. But still, he was born in the same decade that I uh, I was. We. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I was just, I was just saying yes. Did you th- think I was talking about you and I? Yeah. Oh. No. I mean, How narcissistic. Were... <laughs> <laughs> all right um 
what else we got to talk about, man? So we, we've dipped on this fan theory. Um, I do have a thing that I want to do at like the end end. Do we have a Hawkeye? Uh, we do have a Hawkeye to watch. We have the finale of Hawkeye. And we can't talk about watch. it until after the fucking holidays because we're not recording next week. And yeah, dude, like if you're a if you're an MCU fan at all, like I'm not going to say find that your, all of this. Find yourself somebody who has a Disney Plus subscription and leech it off of them. <laughs> or suck it up and fucking sign up for it and binge all of Marvel everything. Like, I mean, honestly, I think all of the series are worth watching. I just think that, like... Some series oh, are more necessary than others. I, I would agree with that, and I'm actually finding Hawkeye generally to be more solid than... um. I hate to say it, like I, I would say, both Loki and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like I think that I would actually probably, holds together much better. I would probably have to agree with you. Like WandaVision, I think edges this out purely because of the concept, but I'm curious to see how this sticks the landing because my I thought WandaVision was fucking brilliant until more or less the last like episode or so that like it was it wasn't like, terrible, but episodes, it just but yeah yeah. It didn't, it didn't. It just didn't stick, stick the landing. landing. I think um, it just sticks the landing really well. I'm um, very curious. Like honestly, I think it's also it's like, more about setting up their TV stuff than, well, their series stuff instead of their cinematic stuff. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how the how this last episode goes because it's like if this sticks the landing, this might end up being the best MCU show. Um, in which case. I'm going to be like, what the fuck? How did Jeremy Renner pull that off? Oh, because he wasn't the one writing it. Hmm. Uh, but but still... you're also kind of forgetting about the existence of uh, What If. Oh, yeah, I am forgetting about the existence of What If. Yeah, no, What If is really solid I think as well. What If might be their best. But like for live action, viewing. this might be. For live action, this might be. I, yeah. I think it might be this with uh, WandaVision being close second. Yeah, and and the only reason this this edges out WandaVision is if it sticks the landing, because WandaVision didn't. Like, I think one, that this WandaVision had the, the neatest landing. concepts. Yes, and I dug like a lot of the stuff that they did and paid homage to, not yes, homage, absolutely not fucking homage, homage. Homage. You know, it's like that feeling you can only say in French. uh deja vu i i don't remember it it's just like that feeling you can only say in french eat an entire dick <laughs> yeah um all right so what else we got man because i know i'm gonna have to like go steal another mirror relatively soon yeah i think we should cut this off t at some point too because uh you know i don't think anyone actually cares enough to listen this long so. oh not at all but if you did listen this long, I have a gift for you. It's actually something I don't think I've ever performed before, so we're going to see how this goes. <clears throat> but for you, dear listeners, on this holiday occasion, my gift unto you is a reading of A Visit from St. Nicholas. 
was the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas would soon be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just nestled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of a new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. When, what are you laughing at? Uh, I'm just laughing at like me stumbling over words. I'm I'm laughing at the fact that you're going to read this whole ass poem because it's long. It's not that long. It's fucking long. When what to my wondering eyes did appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment he must be St. Nick. <laughs> All right. A burp and sit break. Yeah, this is a long ass poem, dude. Like they make this into a whole book. I'm over halfway there. Uh, That's what he said. (laughs) Just give me another minute. (laughs) More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came. And he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, oh. Now to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. Because I guess that's supposed to be in the voice of Santa. Um... At leaves be at leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetops the coursers they flew, with a sleigh full of toys and Saint Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof, as I drew in my head and was turning around. Down the chimney, St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, how his dimples, how merry, oh, how they twinkled his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. 
and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to work, and I filled all the, and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk, and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his cell, he sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew, like the down of a thistle? Uh, yes. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, <clears throat> Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. All right. See, I fucking did it. You got anything else? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I tuned out like 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, do you have any final words to draw our dear listeners into the new year? Oh, God. I feel like I should be saying something hopeful right now and... Uh, ho ho ho! Your mother's a ho ho ho. That's not really. Yeah, it's not something that either of us would say about either of our mothers. <laughs> I don't know. I might say. That. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, now you're automatically on my mom's naughty list for like another seven years. <laughs> your mom doesn't listen to this podcast. Oh, she never will. <laughs> um, that's why I can make that joke. Um. I don't know, man. Um, re re resolve to drink more beer and, um, you know, for, for New Year's, maybe your resolution be to, should be to support us on Patreon? Yes, that's a great New Year's res resolution. But I myself need to void my bladder, so I'm going to wrap this shit up right now. You've been listening to New England Beer Reviews starring Emily Schick and TJ Davis. We're fucking rad. Please give us some money on Patreon at patreon.com backslash N-E-B-R. Those are the initials of our show, N-E-B-R. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We should do more with all that shit. We're and, um, you know, check us out. We dig yeah. you. We hope you dig us. Um, happy Christmas to all. And to all, a good lay. Okay. Okay.